please open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8. Matthew, chapter 8, we have just completed the Sermon on the Mount, and now we see something of the Sermon on the Move. Jesus is coming down from the mountain, but still uh, teaching and ministering through the miracles that are now going to be accompanied uh, by the ministry of Jesus. Matthew had earlier introduced Jesus' ministry to us back in Matthew 4, saying that he went about teaching and preaching the gospel, and then also from place to place praying and healing and delivering the sick and possessed. So now uh, Matthew has given us this wonderful sampling of his teaching by relaying to us that one beautiful sermon on the mount, and now we're going to see the example of Jesus kind of on the road in ministry, out in the world, the gospel in real life, if you will. And, you know, this, hap- this needs to happen. That is the purpose of the gospel for all of our lives. It's important to hear the gospel. It's important to study the word together. It's, it's good that we are gathered here today to hear the teaching and the preaching of God's word and the gospel. But the purpose of hearing and receiving and having God work these things into our heart and understanding is so that they will translate into living when we come down from the mountain, so to speak. When we leave the fellowship, we go out and the gospel is now lived out. And this is exactly what we're going to see Jesus doing as he goes from place to place. He is going to be demonstrating the kingdom. He's taught on the kingdom. And now he's, t- he's going to demonstrate the kingdom. I've entitled today's message, The Kingdom in Action. The Kingdom in Action. Look with me in verse 1, and we're introduced to the first encounter. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. We first see that as Jesus comes down from the mountain, great multitudes are following him. It wasn't just miracles that drew the crowd to Jesus. Certainly the miracles did enhance the crowd. But Jesus has just now taught them the sermon, and this has also amazed them. It said earlier in chapter 7, the last couple of verses of chapter 7, it says, And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. The Word of God has a power of its own, just being heard and received into the heart. They were astonished. They'd never heard anyone teach like him. They'd heard the scribes and the Pharisees, and most of their teaching was kind of rules and regulations about proper keeping of the Sabbath, and they had added so many of their own kind of commandments and and traditions to the original intention of God's Word. So they were used to hearing that kind of of uh, you know sermon and ministry, but here comes Jesus, and he he just blows them away. The word comes to life. He speaks right into their heart. He speaks about the life circumstance that they go through, that they struggle with, that they can understand. 
And the Word of God comes to life in their heart. And the Bible says that God's Word is alive, that it's active, that it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's able to, to divide bone from marrow, even to discern the intentions of a man's heart. Now, I know many of you know what I'm talking about because you've had the Word of God kind of find its mark in your heart before. I, I mean, I, I had on Wednesday night, I had a brother come up and say, man, I just thought for sure, you know, you must be reading my mail. You must be, you have spies. I know, you know, he was kidding, of course, but he was trying to say, look, everything you were saying was so, you know, ministering to my, the circumstance of my life. And of course, that's not the pastor's grace or ability. That's the word of God. That's God's word. There's nothing like it, really. There's lots of good information and things that you can hear that, were, that would inform you and, and captivate your interests, but nothing like the Word of God seems to just find a mark in your heart, and that's what they've experienced. They have experienced Jesus ministering God's Word directly into their heart, and it's astonished them. They never heard anything like it, and now they are following Him. He has their hearts through the Word that He has taught. But here comes this leper in the midst of this crowd. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Luke, the Gospel of Luke records, in fact, both Luke and Mark record this same event. Luke tells us that he wasn't just a leper, but he was a man full of leprosy. So this is, this is a man that is well advanced in leprosy. In the ancient world, leprosy was a destructive disease with no cure, no hope of recovery. They didn't even know how it was transmitted. It was, one of, it was, it was the kiss of death in the old world. If you, were, if you came down with leprosy, it was as if you were already dead. There was no way to stop it. There was no way to cure it. Listen to one commentary describe leprosy. Leprosy might begin with the loss of all sensation in some part of the body. The nerve trunks are affected. The muscles waste away. The tendons contract until the hands are like claws. There follows ulceration of the hands and feet. Then comes the progressive loss of fingers and toes until in the end a whole hand or a whole foot may drop off. The duration of that kind of leprosy is anything from 20 to 30 years. It is a kind of terrible progressive death in which a man dies by inches. So you get, you get a picture of the despair of someone that was a leper in this time that Jesus ministered. It was, his life was over. Not only was there the physical uh, horror of this disease, but there was the social and spiritual reproach. You see, if you came down with leprosy, you were quarantined from society. In fact, uh, you were taken away from family. You were excluded from the worship life of the nation. You were not allowed in temple. You were not allowed to participate in any of the normal uh, walk of life. And you had to keep, according to the Jewish tradition and rules, they had set up, you know, you had to keep a six-foot radius always about a leper. You could never get six, closer than six feet. And uh, if the wind was blowing in the wrong direction, you know, if the, there was a leper upwind, it would even be 150 feet that you would have to stay away. A leper, when a leper would come into a public area, 
whether it be the marketplace or just coming you know, through where other people would be, they would have to announce, unclean, unclean, unclean. They would have to proclaim their coming into a public square so people could be alerted to stay away from there, stay away from them. In fact, some of the religious rabbis, they even boasted of how well they were able to keep and dodge all leprous contact. And something spiritual began to creep into the thinking of the people. They imagined that anybody who would contract leprosy, there must be something wrong with them spiritually. This must be some kind of special judgment from God. We ought not to pity them. We ought to just let God judge them. And this, even in some of the religious leadership, this was the mindset. When someone comes down with that, must be because there's sin in their life. Must be something wrong with their walk, something wrong with them. A little of that lingers in our culture too, doesn't it? We, we, we see someone struggling, well, maybe it's a result of, of sin or compromise, something going, you know, in their own life. It may be God dealing with them. Now, it may be. God does discipline His children. But to imagine that, you know, just because someone is sick or ill, that they are somehow spiritually, you know, a worse sinner than you who are healthy. Be careful. You're a sinner too. And let's be honest. Haven't you known some of the worst sinners to be healthy and live the longest? I mean, I have, right? (laughs) Some of the most gracious and sweetest people seem to die, you know, too young. So we ought not to use that as the barometer of, of how people are doing spiritually. But this is what had crept in to the mindset of the culture when Jesus was, was alive and ministering. I do believe that we can look at this today and we can see a certain parable for sin. We cannot say that this man was some kind of a special sinner and therefore enduring this, but we can say that leprosy in general kind of represents sin in a manifestation sort of way. In the same way that it was gradual but certain death, so sin is in the human life. You know, you can sin and not immediately manifest the destruction of it, but over time, sin does bring destruction and death, certain death, into our lives. And apart from Jesus, apart from a Savior, there is no cure or remedy for sin. There is no way that we can be cleansed from sin in and of ourselves, any more than this leper could have found a way to cleanse and cure himself. And in that sense, we do see the power of God ministering not only to the physical, but also it it speaks to us spiritually. Now, this, this leper comes, and he comes and worships him. Now, just to get before Jesus, he had to break all the protocols, he must have, we don't know, Scripture doesn't tell us, this is my sense, that he may have been at a distance hearing Jesus speak and minister. And something of the Word of God, maybe some of the, the testimony of Jesus and his healing ministry before that time, that included, but something in his own heart found a place of hope. A man who was completely hopeless, in a moment he thought, but maybe, just maybe, If I can get before him, he would be able to heal me, or he would be willing to heal me. And so he comes and he worships, Lord, if you are willing, I know that you can make me clean. He he comes in a worship, he says he worships before him. That means he literally bowed down before Jesus. 
He presented himself. He had to push through the crowd. I don't know, maybe he said unclean and people made a path for him, but he's getting way too close according to the protocol that had been set for him. But he doesn't care in this moment. It's Jesus. This is my one shot at getting a life back. And I'm going to come to him. And he bows before him. And Lord, I like that. He, he, he shows a, a humble submission in calling him Lord. And not only that, but a sincere faith. I know you can heal me. I know that you are divine. I know that you have the power to ch- touch and rescue my life, and I need to be cleansed. I know that if you're willing, you can cleanse me. You see the right heart in this leper. There's faith, there's hope, but there's also great humility and honesty. Jesus, if you don't save me, no one can, and only you can. And I hear something of his heart, but Lord, I'm not sure if you're willing doesn't that, that, doesn't that kind of resonate with us a little bit? Lord, I know that you can, but I, I'm not sure if you're willing. We know that all things are possible with God. We know that God can turn my circ- our circumstance around. We know that God can heal. We know that God can, can, can rescue. We know that God can save. But what about me? What about my case? Lord, are you, are you willing because I, I have confidence that you might be willing to help and save others, but I don't know. Lord, are you willing to help and save me? And we see Jesus' response. Three things that we notice in the way Jesus responds to this, this man. And the first thing, which is very powerful, he touched him. This is a leper that has not had the touch of a non-leprous hand in maybe 20 years. This is a man who has broken every rule of religious protocol by bringing himself into this public arena and and bowing before Jesus. And Jesus, as if to say, I could care less about the rules. I could care less about religion. What I care about right now is you. And he touched him. He broke every rule. Jesus now is breaking all the rules too. And he touches this man. Mark tells us that Jesus, listen, moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him. This is not like we do sometimes in prayer. Oh, let's lay hands on your brother and we'll pray. This is is Jesus putting aside every religious protocol that exists in front of all to see and in his heart a move of compassion laying his hands on this man, touches him. And it is a powerful testimony of the heart of God And Jesus breaking through. You know, the onlookers were probably appalled. Oh my God, he's touched a leper. I imagine even the disciples were shocked. Jesus, what are you doing? Now you're ceremonially unclean yourself. Oh, you're really going to get us into trouble, Jesus. And who knows, you might even catch this disease. I don't even know if I can hang out with you now that you've touched this leper. You you just see all of the fear and all of the religious ideas that Jesus shatters in an instant. And I want to say this just in a moment here. You know, I don't know what you think of Jesus. I don't know, what you, I don't know how Jesus has been represented to you. Maybe you have a kind of a, a different view of Jesus. Maybe you don't know the Lord. Maybe you're here today and, and you're not even a Christian, but you're, you're here, you're, you're open, your heart is searching, and you've heard things about Jesus. You're not sure. You're here to find out a little bit more about him. I'm telling you, you're, gonna, you're meeting him right here. 
Maybe, maybe you know the Lord, but in your own you know, sense of guilt or, or struggle, you're wondering, does Jesus care? Can he really help me? Does he want to? Will he? Uh, Jesus cuts through all of that. This is the real Jesus right here. Maybe he's been misrepresented. Maybe some religious, you know, uh, snooty kind of person has made you feel like, you know, I don't think God would have anything to do with you. You're, you're unclean, you know. Some, that, that pride, that hypocrisy that creeps in even amongst the Christian community. I don't know what you think about him, but I'm telling you this is your chance to meet him. Jesus could care less about religion. Jesus could care, care less about the rules of men. Jesus is all about touching men. Jesus is all about saving men. Jesus is all about reaching into humanity and rescuing our lives for his glory and for his purpose, bringing hope and change and real transformation. That's the Jesus I know, and that's the Jesus Got ahead of myself, then my emotions caught up. <laughs> That's the Jesus I want to follow. That's the Jesus I want to follow. The second thing, not only does he touch him, which is so powerful, but he says, I am willing. I want to cleanse you. I want to heal you. I'm not just willing to touch you. I want to heal you. I want to restore you. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The Son of Man did not come to judge or condemn the world, but to save. Of course I'm willing. That's why I'm here. I'm here to save you. I'm here to heal you. I'm here to demonstrate the heart of God for you. Jesus would say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father is not some fearful, holy, angry one, and then Jesus is the nice, kind of warm-hearted one. Jesus and the Father are one. If you've seen Christ, this is God. This is the heart of God coming to heal, to cleanse, to save. And you may ask in your own heart, God, I know that you can, but are you willing? Hear the word of Jesus. Hear the word of God, I am willing. God delights in mercy. God wants to save. He is holy. He will judge sin. He will not tolerate sin without sacrifice and provision through his son. You cannot make your own rules before God. You cannot design your own pattern of faith and, and relationship. You must come through the way that he has graciously provided, but understand it is graciously provided. And it is yours for the asking. I know in my own heart, I've wrestled over the years, even as a Christian. You know, we want to live for the Lord, and, and yet we find that we fall short at times, don't we? And I can remember a, a season in my early Christian life because I was still, it seemed like I was making the same mistakes over and over. And I'll say today, I'm not walking in any, any, any perfection today. It's not like I don't still have things that I have to bring to the Lord and ask cleansing for. I don't think we'll reach perfection in this life until the Lord comes for us, till we see him face to face, till we're known, till we know him as the way we are known. But it, what happens in this process of growing up as a Christian 
you find yourself making the same dumb mistakes over and over, don't you? I mean, come on, anybody? <laughs> yeah. I'm ashamed of you. No. <laughs> and you find yourself back at the place where you've got to say, God, forgive me. I've done it again, Lord. I swore to you that, that would be the last time. I said I would never lose my temper. I swore I would never have that attitude. I knew that, God, here I am again. And in my own heart, I, used to, I got to that place where I thought, Lord, surely by now you're tired of me. Surely by now you are merely tolerating me. And I have to almost kind of negotiate my forgiveness. Lord, I still believe in Jesus. I still believe in the cross and the resurrection. I make sure my confession was orthodox. Lord, please, I, I still need you to forgive me. Oh, all right. One more time, Buster, you know. You get, you get into this mindset. Now listen, church, you know, I'm not encouraging license to sin. Oh, I have nothing but regret for sin. And it only rips me off from what God wants and has for me. And so there's, there's no encouragement now to be free to sin. That's a, that's a, that would be a terrible way to live and think. But when we do sin, we have an advocate. And if we will confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. I am willing. Hear that in your heart today. And finally, of course, he heals him. It's not, it's not good enough just to be willing. You've got to be able you know, Jesus, I appreciate that you're willing, but can you cleanse me? Can you save me? Can you heal me? Not only is he willing, but church, he is able. He demonstrates his will and his authority. And he sends this man out as a witness and a sign to authenticate the message he has just preached on the mountain. It is true, it is sure, and he is in fact the Messiah. Thank God that we serve a Savior who rose from the dead. That's the evidence that he's able. Jesus said, you know, I'm going to die for your sin. That sounds, that's a good thought. But the resurrection is what demonstrates the authority that what I said I would go to the cross for, I have accomplished. And he rose from the dead and came back to declare that victory over sin, over death, over the grave. We serve a God who is willing. We serve a God who is able. We serve a God who is risen to demonstrate his work of salvation. This is the gospel. This is the gospel I'm preaching today. God has come to save, and he loves us. Jesus gives this leper some instruction here. We'll take a look at it, and we'll close here today. Verse 4, and Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go your way, Excuse me. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. A number of things here that Jesus is probably hoping to accomplish. Uh, I would say just practically, one is probably crowd control. Listen, don't go make a big scene here because then there'll be so many people flocking, I won't be able to get into the cities to preach the message. And in fact, that is what happened. 
that Jesus' ministry became so popular that he had to stay on the outskirts of town to preach. And so there is a practical sense here. Look, I don't want people drawn to the miracles. I want to be able to preach the message and let the miracles authenticate the message because it's the gospel message that saves, not the miracles. Miracles don't save. They're wonderful. We, we, we awe over them, but they are to demonstrate the power of the message. Getting healed from leprosy does not save a man. Having his sins forgiven by the blood of Christ is what saves a man. And that comes through the truth of the message. And that's embraced in the heart. The miracles are there to authenticate, but Jesus did not want the miracles to become kind of the sideshow for his ministry. And many, even I think even today, to be honest, some seek the signs with no interest in the message. They desire the miracle, but not the authority of Christ's message in their heart. The other reason I believe Jesus sent him off was to go show yourself to the priest. Jesus is honoring the law. Leviticus chapter 14 actually prescribed this. If you were sick and considered unclean, and you, were, you recovered and became clean, you were to go to the priest. They were to make sure that you were clean and could be uh, brought back into circulation to society. And certainly that is what Jesus wants for this man. Not just to be healed, but to be brought back to his family, brought back, just uh, declared clean by the, the society, the civil forces at, at work there. So there is this practical side of bringing this man into, you know, back into circulation, but also honoring the word. And I think Jesus wanted those priests to see there's a man that's been cured from leprosy. And he was full of leprosy. Let that be a witness to the priest. How many times were they inspecting cleaned lepers? Not very often. This was a true miracle. And God, it, Jesus wants this man to actually follow the law. So he's honoring the law. He's not neglecting the law. He's not disregarding the law. But in fact, he is fulfilling the law. And so Jesus sends him on his way. Now, this, Matthew doesn't tell us, but the other Gospels, Gospels tell us that this man went, up, went out and told everybody that he knew. <laughs> and I have to say, I can hardly blame him. If you were a leper and you were, that kind of a miracle hit your life, it'd be hard to just, you know, can't tell you what happened, sorry. <laughs> Where'd you come from? Oh, can't mention it right now. You know, I just almost, impo but still, Jesus wanted him to go to the priest first, get yourself, you know, present this properly then, of course, be brought back into family and friends. But he couldn't help himself. He declared it. And, of course, it did produce a certain uh, difficulty and crowd control for the ministry of Jesus. But uh, that's not the worst thing that's probably ever happened as somebody boasting on what Christ has done. And yet we see here that Jesus not only uh, touches him and heals him, but it is interesting that even the leper said, Lord, if you're willing, you're able to make me clean. Even the leper felt that maybe his disease was some sense of a, of a sinful judgment upon his life. And just kind of completing that parable for us here today, that this leprosy, in a sense, represents kind of the sinful condition of man and Jesus cleansing. I really sense that this is a, a real picture of the incarnation Jesus becoming a man, Jesus touching the leper, in the same way Jesus becoming a man, putting on flesh that he might save man. This, this is a picture of a God who is willing not only to touch 
but a God that is willing to become a man. This is a God that is in pursuit to save. This is a God who is looking to initiate salvation. He came for you. For God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus put on flesh. Jesus went to the cross and gave his life as a ransom. It was not taken from him. He gave it as a ransom. In the same way, when he touched that leper, ceremonially, the leper was cleaned and Jesus became unclean. And it's the same picture of what has happened in the gospel. Christ, who was clean, has come and imparted his righteousness to us. And he has taken the uncleanness of our sin upon himself. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What a beautiful picture of the gospel on the move, the gospel in action, the message finding real life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this testimony. Jesus, moved with compassion. Jesus, reaching out to heal and to save. Lord, in, in our own hearts today, for those of us that know you, Lord, I would, I would pray two things. One, that we, we would be reminded confidently today that you are willing, that you love us. Lord, you're not condoning, but you are willing to forgive and cleanse, and you are willing to continue to work and sanctify us in, in the process that you have us involved in through the work of your Holy Spirit that we would be encouraged to know that, that we have that standing with you today in Christ. And secondly, for those that know you, Lord, I pray that, they would, that we would be challenged to be Jesus in our world. We see a Jesus that is willing to get his hands dirty, willing to roll his sleeves up and love on people that are not lovable. Lord, I don't know how that translates in each every, every one of our lives, but I know it translates. I know that we live in a hurting, dying, sinful world that knows little about the love of God. Oh, Lord, help us to be the hands and feet of Christ in this generation. And Lord, for those that are here today that don't know you, or maybe those that know you and have really fallen away, they're not walking with you in relationship at all. My prayer for them today, Lord, is that they would see and hear the Jesus that is willing and able to save. And as our heads are bowed and, and, and we just close now in, in prayer, I do want to give an opportunity. If you're here today and you need prayer, I want to pray for you. And you may be here today and, and you don't know the Lord. You've never really, as this leper did, come before Jesus and worshiped and bowed before him and say, Jesus, save me. I need you to cleanse me. I've heard that you're able. I've heard that you died on the cross for me. But, but Jesus, it's me. <laughs> Are you willing? And I pray that you would hear the heart of Christ today. He is willing and wants to save. I'd love to pray for you if you need to invite Christ into your life. Maybe you're here today and you need to come back to Christ. You know, maybe you've forgotten 
this, this picture of Jesus. Maybe you've been distracted with your own agenda, maybe sin, compromise. Maybe you've been kind of just too busy and preoccupied, or, or maybe you've been hurt and, and lost your way. Maybe you feel like you know, Jesus is no longer willing for you. Whatever the case, listen, that, this is the real Jesus. He's here. He's willing. Come. Come and rededicate. Recommit your heart to him and let him touch you afresh and anew. I'd love to pray for you. So if you're here today and you need Christ for the very first time, or you need to rededicate and recommit your life to Christ, I'm asking you to raise your hand where you're seated, and I'm going to pray for you. Anybody here today? In the very back, hand, I see you. Over here on my left, far right, God bless you. Anybody else? You need a couple hands there, or yeah, a hand there, God bless you. Brother standing, amen. <laughs> Anybody else? It's between you and the Lord, but oh, he loves you. You've got to come to him. This leper had to make his way to Jesus. You need to get to Jesus today, right now. This is, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Today's the day of salvation. Now's the time. God bless you. Any others? More hands. Amen. Oh, meet the real Jesus today. I love this passage. Anybody else? Just before I pray. I feel like I want to rededicate my life. I don't know why. But anybody else? It's a time to come to Christ. So Lord, for these hearts that have responded. Oh, Jesus, we come just as this leper did and we bow before you and we say, Oh, Jesus, we need a touch from you. We need you to cleanse us. Forgive us for our sins. We know that you're able because you died on the cross. I believe it with all my heart that you rose from the dead. Oh, but Jesus, are you willing? Can you save even me today? And Lord, I pray that as that heart cries out in sincerity, that they would hear the voice of God in their heart resounding, I am willing. And that you are able and that they are cleansed and that they are forgiven and that their life is now in relationship with the true and living and loving God that will bring them through and will bring them to a finish line of grace and mercy and joy and eternity. Help us, Lord. We acknowledge our need of you. We acknowledge, Lord, that we are sinners and need cleansing. And we believe that you are able and willing and we trust you to do it today. In Jesus' name, amen.